0: Welcome to Put Back on SNY.TV, I'm Ian Begley, SNY's NBA Insider, and we'll be here with you at 3 o'clock today, tomorrow, and the next day, breaking all trade deadline news down. I have two great guests with me today. got Stephen Bondy, does a great job with the New York Post covering the Knicks and the NBA, and I have the man himself, CP, the franchise, you all know who he is, he doesn't even need an introduction at this point. But for now we're going to jump right into the baseline. And instead of getting right into trades, we want to take a little retrospective here, talk about how we got here. And obviously, it starts with a couple summers ago. I'm going to go back to the Jaden Ivy dra- Jaden Ivy draft when the Knicks were talking to Detroit about possibly moving up to get Jaden Ivy. Knicks needed a point guard at that point just like they had for most of the last 20 years. But instead of making that deal, Knicks end up dumping salary to the Pistons, and they were able to sign Jalen Brunson, and he changed everything. As you know, uh, Isaiah Hartenstein, strong signing. Dante DiVincenzo, very strong signing. And the Knicks have put together a product here that you know seems sustainable. It seems like a core that you can build off of as they sit here in fourth place in the East. But let's get to the injury issues because we have uh, Quentin Grimes out with a knee ailment and he's been out for a few games and he hyperextended the knee. I'm told that there's no physical, there's no structural damage there rather. So I think they're just being cautious at this point. And big one is OGN and OB. There's a lot of mystery surrounding surrounding that one. I was told that late last week that he was making some improvement. Um, I asked Tom Thibodeau about the idea of holding him out until he's 100% better or bringing him back before then. He didn't really answer the question, but he said, you know, it's his shooting arm. So we want to be cautious. And that tells me that they're waiting here for him to be all the way back. Steph, I want to go to you first. What do you think about the OG situation? Uh, What do you know there?
1: Well, I I think part of what Tibbs answer answered that day was we have to wait until he feels comfortable, uh, meaning OG. And Tibbs' history with saying that phrase is usually like it's a pain tolerance thing. And it's going to be up to the players and i'm sure it's a, you know a collaborative effort with the medical staff and i said on cp show yesterday that if you look at og's history he doesn't he's not going to play 82 games he is going to wait until he's fully recovered he's going to be wait till he's 100% if you look at his injury history he doesn't you know he's played i think 70 games only once in his career and that was his rookie season so in a lot of ways it doesn't surprise me that they're taking it slow with the with the elbow And also, you got the All-Star break coming up. So you might have an opportunity to to rest that thing up and make sure he's fully healthy for the stretch run.
0: And CP, when you look at Saturday's loss to L.A., uh, what did that tell you about this team? What did it tell you about what they should or shouldn't do at the deadline?
2: Yeah, as it relates to Saturday night, they just didn't have it that night. You know, they couldn't shoot. The Lakers' defense was hot, and it just it, it didn't necessarily show anything because I felt like throughout the season, even with a healthy Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle, the, the Knicks still need more shot creation in that rotation. And then when you deplete your roster, losing R.J. Barrett and Emmanuel quickly, it heightens that priority even more. And so they need a bit more firepower, I think, in especially off of their bench. Uh, Dante DiVincenzo has certainly played well, but uh, the Knicks because will need reinforcements. They, they will need reinforcements uh, as they make that playoff push, but certainly need that shot creation off the, off the bench is the number one priority, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, no question. And, you know, we've been talking about it for a while now, the three of us and, and others who cover the team day to day. That's where their focus is right now. And Alec Burks is a name that I would expect them to continue to talk to Detroit on uh, leading up to Thursday, 3 p.m. I know CP's pumped up about that, but also Bruce Brown out in Toronto, I think to me, and this is not my reporting, but I just wonder if Masai, he kind of looks at where the Knicks are after the OG deal. Obviously, they played really well. Uh, Toronto struggled a little bit. Is he willing to then go ahead and do another deal with the Knicks on Bruce Brown? I, I wonder if that factors in at all. And then you look at Jordan Clarkson. Uh, i am told that price remains really high for Utah. They would uh, they really value him. So is or is New York willing to go there? I'm not so sure. Steph, uh, what about you? How do you see this thing shaking out over the next couple of days?
1: Yeah, I mean, the the names that keep coming up um, from people I talk to are uh, Alec Burks and, and Bruce Brown. Those are the two names. And like you mentioned, Jordan Clarkson has been thrown around there. Jordan Clarkson from different reports saying he wants to play in New York. And same with Bruce Brown. He said that basically on the record that he would love to play for Tibbs. So those are some of the names that are being thrown out there. The thing that I heard last night, and I got to credit my guy, Steve Popper, who, by the way, has the, a great sense of humor. We kill him about everything, and he takes it yes, in stride. Um, <laughs> uh, Quentin Grimes, the um, the recent stuff on him is that there's this increasing belief that they could hold on to him now, that they're not getting the kind of offers that, they, that the Knicks want, and that that's something that they can revisit in the summer. So I heard that as well. Obviously, Evan Fournier is somebody that the Knicks would like to move, and I think that they will. That is my prediction, that Evan Fournier will be moved for one of these guys.
0: Yeah, it's interesting, CP, when you hear Quentin Grimes, the idea that they're going to hang on to him and and possibly move him in the offseason. How how do you feel about that?
2: I agree with that. I, I don't think Quentin Grimes is a player who I would like to just see Traded just for a band-aid temporary upgrade to your bench. I like Quentin Grimes. He's in his third year. He's, he's struggled since he's got here. That's understandable, but I still think he has potential. I still think his shot can come around. We just need to see a more confident Quentin Grimes. And while he's on this team, the Knicks have to, and Quentin Grimes have to figure out how to get him going to play more confident basketball. Defensively, he's there, but offensively, he just seems very unsure of himself night in and night out. Now, with the injury, you hope that he comes back strong, but you know when when they held him from the Donovan Mitchell trade, the the idea was that uh, he was a potential untouchable piece, so i I found it hard to to understand why they would then let him go for a you know marginal bench upgrade. I still think he will end up being traded at some point, but it will be for for that bigger piece uh, down the road.
0: <clears throat> I think what you have here too is his salary, right he's on a rookie deal and there's no one else on a rookie deal who's available who you could trade him for and have it make sense for the Knicks. So that's part of it. Um, I think, you know, they would deal him at the deadline if the right deal comes along. And I, I think that they're at least uh, keeping their ears open to deals beyond the players that we mentioned earlier. But, you know, with Grimes, if they do keep him, I think it's going to be something where you say like, hey, we're married for the next three, four months. Like, let's make the best of it. You play well. Things will be better for you in the off season. So let's be professional and, and let's move forward. But I think, you know, in the off season, we all know they want to be involved in a, in a big player, in a big trade. And Grimes would be a very valuable piece. Um, I agree it's been a little kind of a winding road to get here. And I'm sure disappointing for both sides that you're here at this point. So it'll be interesting to see ultimately what kind of deal he's in, and what they get back. But, Bondi, you mentioned Evan Fournier. I think he'll be dealt, too, and, and I think, you know, uh, from a human perspective, you should deal him. But, CP, they do have the chance to pick up his option and then to include him in a deal this summer uh, as a fan, as somebody who's paid attention closely since Fournier has been around. you want to see Do you want to see them move him at the deadline, or do you not care you want, you know, what's best from a trade perspective?
2: I would say only if it makes financial sense to do so, right? Because he has that player option. I think if you're going to trade him, you hope that you can get a Malcolm Brogdon back who also has a player option. It would make the Bruce Brown trade make more sense financially, not necessarily from a basketball standpoint, because I think Brown is a bit more redundant. But I believe if they do trade Fournier, they should Get some some salary back that they can then have flexibility with in the off season and beyond. So uh, I think it has to make financial sense before they trade m Fournier.
0: Where do you fall there, Steph, on the idea that you know there's a human element here, and the guy's been on ice for so long? Do you want to do what's right for him, or do you want to just be cold and do what's right for the organization? Like, how do you see that part? Well,
1: I, I get both sides, but let me put: dude is making nineteen million dollars. Like. Yeah it's really not that big of a deal. Like I, I actually talked to, I talked to Derek Rose this morning because he was sitting on the bench with um, Evan Fournier all last season. So they had kind of a similar situation and I'll read you Derek's quote. Cause he was spot on. It's about living in gratitude. Fournier could be anywhere else in the world for the city you live in, the paycheck that you get to be, to, to, to cheer, to be a great teammate. Where else can you get that type of money from? And I think that's spot on. Mm. Like, you know, it's good perspective, at least. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. it sucks, and he's been living with this terrible reality as far as his basketball careers for the last few years. But at the same time, I think all of us would trade his spot for where we're at. Like, I'll, I'll sit on a bench for $19 million. I think anybody.
2: <laughs>
1: let's not cry.
2: Right, to scooter around
1: Central Park, right, yeah. to, to work. Well, it's he's a great fight. <laughs> and by the way, if he stays, if he stays, there's a chance they pick up his twenty million or whatever it is, nineteen million next season. So he gets to make an extra nineteen million. So in a lot of ways, maybe he should be rooting that he stays.
0: D Rose, as usual, providing good perspective. He's a great vet. And now we're going to Matt Spenley, our social media guru here at SNY. He's going to relay a fan question to us. Matt, what's happening?
2: What's up, fellas? JJ on YouTube is asking, "What's the fascination with Jordan Clarkson? He's a chucker that's highly efficient and doesn't defend." So I know his contract makes a lot of sense. Ian, you wrote today in your notes column about uh, the type of player that the Knicks would look to acquire at the deadline if they'll fit with their identity. So what's the latest on the Knicks and Jordan Clarkson?
0: Yeah, I think when you talk about fitting with what they have already, and I think they've they've got a good thing going here, that really means fitting in with the coaching staff and fitting in kind of seamlessly as a player. I don't know whether Clarkson would or he wouldn't. Um, I, I don't know how Tom Thibodeau feels about him, but I think when you look at the trade deadline, you kind of have to look at it through that prism. Uh, I'm not saying Tom Thibodeau is making all the decisions. Uh, for sure, Leon Rose is making the final call on everything. But based on how this season is going and where you are in the year, is, it, is the player a Tom Thibodeau player? That's why, you know, going back to Alec Burks, going back to Bruce Brown, uh, those are the, the two that I'd be paying close attention to. And I expect the Knicks to continue to inquire on. So we're going to get into more trade details in a moment here. But I want to remind everybody that this season of The Putback is now in podcast form. So download it wherever you listen to your podcasts. CP, Jordan Clarkson, fit
2: or not a fit? Yeah, well, for one, I think it's funny now everybody's beating down the Knicks door. Everybody back in the day, nobody <laughs> wanted to play for the Knicks. Now, I mean, the, the clock didn't even strike zero in that Knicks Raptors game before uh, Bruce Brown is putting his name into the hat for, for Tom Thibodeau. So uh, I found that funny, but I think the fit is is a um, it's a it's a worthwhile question to ask because I do agree with JJ. I look at Jordan Clarkson as as a chucker. Yes, he can get hot. He's one of those microwave scorer archetypes, if you will. But I don't see him fitting. In and being a, a Tibbs type of player. And if I had to rank them in order, that's why I put Alec Burks number one because he's been here before. He knows the offense. He's the guy that you can plug and play, and he'll be ready to go right away. It's the reason why I think they keep bringing back Todd Gibson is his familiarity with the way things are done. And then secondly, I add Bruce Brown to that list uh, because of you know the contract flexibility. But then Clarkson, I, I, I'm not so sure if, uh, if, if he's there for the Knicks. That's why I put him third on the list.
0: Yeah, the other piece here, I think Clarkson or maybe a deal with Washington becomes more enticing if Precious Achua wasn't playing well. To me, he's kind of solidified, or as for right now, that backup center role and he lessens the need for the Knicks to go out and get a backup center. That's what teams in touch with them recently have come away with. So, you know, you look at Clarkson or even like a, a DeJounte Murray or an, any other player in Atlanta, Bogdanovich, and I just think that The need there is less if you're going to try to pair that player with a center. So there's that. But then you also look at, you know, just Burks. I think they know he knows them well and they know him well because it's the same front office, it's the same coaching staff, and they had a great appreciation for him and what he did uh, in various ways all throughout that season, the injury-riddled season. So I think the fit is is important there. The money, it's a little funny uh, if you sent Fournier over there. Detroit has to give you another player to make it work. Interesting thing to me there is Kevin Knox has a trade restriction, but he can be moved on February 8th ahead of the deadline and the math works. So they do have to figure out the math. Also, everybody's trying to figure out where Detroit is. Like on on, uh, William Bogdanovich too, which the the Knicks had checked in with Detroit ahead of last year's trade deadline on Uh, people are trying to get a read on which way they're going and are they going to move Bogdanovich? Are they going to move Burks? I think Burks is likely, uh, Bogdanovich not as sure on. So other teams' preferences and other teams' desires and how they may change over the next 48 hours will impact the Knicks too. And also uh, a quick trade note here, I, I do think that when you look at Brooklyn and you look at You know, people throwing around Nick Claxton's name. I checked around on that. I don't think there's anything there at all. They want to bring him back, and and they want to, you know, make sure that they take care of him financially. The issue there, I think, is the repeater tax uh, for them. If they get above the luxury tax next year, they get hit with the repeater tax, so they have to figure out how to keep him and and stay below the tax next year. But that's just a a quick aside, because, Steph, I want to get to you and Leon Rose and Rich Paul and I think Brian Windhorst said on first take yesterday, like this was the biggest story that was kind of under the radar. Um, so where where do you think this leaves the Knicks and clutch at this point?
1: Well, um, I think a lot of the reaction to that story was first of all, well, they gotta be talking about some specific player. My understanding was it wasn't just about one player, whether yes. it's DeJounte Murray, whether it's Jordan Clarkson. It's about repairing a relationship that had been uh, strained for quite some time, and um, it's about moving forward with a business relationship because Clutch has a lot of clients, and the Knicks are a major market team. And as CP just said, everybody wants player now, all of a sudden. So it's a it's advantageous for both sides to work through this. Um, and I think it wasn't about LeBron, and it wasn't about Dejounte. It was about the Knicks and clutch moving forward uh, with a business relationship that that's my read on it. I know Ian, I mean, is that yours too? I know you report on it as yeah, well.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I thought the LeBron stuff, tying it into that, uh, to me, I, it didn't make sense. Cause I, my understanding was the same as yours. It was not about one player. I do know, like some players were discussed, some specific players were discussed, but I, it was never about, Hey, let's repair this relationship now. So we could trade for, LeBron ahead of the deadline or Anthony Davis ahead of the deadline. It was more so global. It was Rich Paul uh, meeting with William Wesley and Leon Rose. The meeting with Wesley took place prior to the meeting with Rose. And I think people, some people at the Knicks are happy that this happened because they felt that not having access to an agency such as clutch just is not good business. So I think there are some some important people were glad that this sit down took place. And Steph, you and I were joking about how it's kind of like a, a mafia, mafia sit down. You breaking bread, which which is fun fun stuff. Oh. CP, you, what was your read on this whole thing in terms of the Knicks and clutch and uh, looking at this team now? Uh, what do you think it could mean moving forward? Yeah.
2: Well, I think it's always good when you commend those fences. I mean, the the two most powerful factions in the sport. I mean, to have them sitting on on either side of the fence, uh, it shouldn't be good for business. So to have those guys come together and break bread should open up the candidate pool for the Knicks, which would uh, bode well for them as they move forward in trying to build a contender. But I have a question for for you guys. Just in your experience in dealing with agents and the, the agency management dynamic, a lot of people, when, when we talk about bringing in players that have extra time on their contract, thinking about guys from Clutch, like if you think about a DeJounte Murray and a Jordan Clarkson, in the vein of you bring them in here now, you trade them later. What do you guys think of, of something like that as it relates to you know the goodwill generated from a meeting like this?
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I, oh, two things here. One is, people want to know, like, how could clutch even influence a trade? And the answer is the agency really can't, but it behooves teams to work closely with agencies. They want to have, they want to have relationships with, um, on these trades. So you're going to put him where he wants to go in a stage that, that he's, that player's excited about. I don't think Rich Paul was ever going to prevent any player from going to New York. If a player wanted to go to New York, he would have facilitated it. But now, all that stuff is out the window, and it appears that bridges have been mended with Dejounte Murray in particular. Yeah, there was interest there from the Knicks, but I think just the way they've gone, they've gone so well with the starters, and the starters have been so successful. Would you want to do something that drastic to right. break that up? So I, I think that that's part of the equation on Dejounte. I still want. I think he still could get, would get moved, could get moved at the deadline, despite Quinn Snyder wanting to keep him. Uh, but I just have a hard time seeing the Knicks meet that asking price.
1: Yeah, and, the, my, you know what my you know what my wife's big question with the uh, Rich Paul Leon Rose sit down was? Does yeah. this mean Adele is gonna be playing at the Sphere?
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> can you get me tickets? <laughs> so uh, <laughs> Steph, if those two can sit down and mend fences, can't you sit down with Berman and break bread down and make some peace? <laughs>
1: That's not a question for me. You got to get Frank on this one. I, I mean Berman <laughs> never had the biggest. It was Frank.
0: Um, all right. Yeah, so, Berman's
1: living it up right now, by the way. I mean, you see pictures of that dude. But he's chilling. Sure. Yeah, he looks Retirement great. life looks good out of it.
0: Yeah, he <laughs> looks good. He looks good. But let's go. Um, I think Mike was in my ear. He was talking about going the hypothetical of standing pat. Now, this was the thought. Prior to Julius Randle getting hurt, um, there were some people who felt like, "Hey, we don't want to mess this up. We're going well. Let's not do anything. Let's sit tight." And I, that thought is no longer there. I think the, the the prevailing thought is we should get somebody to help out the reserves. But the the idea of standing Pet, to me tells you that they they like this group a lot, and like a, a, anyone, any core member of the group or even rotation player is not going anywhere. Um, but Steph, do you think? Like, would that be a wise move for them to not do anything given how they played?
1: Uh, no, I think they need – I mean, listen, Preston Sachua is a, is a good guy, I'm sure, but you don't want to play him 46 minutes. You have Julius Randle right now on two- to three-week timeline, but you really don't know when he's coming back. Mitchell Robinson, we haven't got an update on him. Preston Sachua, part of the problem with the Knicks is, like, especially Tibbs, Tibbs, uh, takes the job very seriously. Sorry, just um this the job with Tibbs the problem with Tibbs is that you know when he does this injury update stuff, he kind of leaves everything open-ended. And we don't know when these guys are coming back. I think there they'd be benefit the fan base and the media too if they were more transparent with the injury timelines. So we don't know where when a lot of these guys are coming back, but they certainly need reinforcements um because I've, I've done doubting Jalen Brunson, but, I mean, you don't want to put too much on his shoulders because he's, you know, you saw in the Lakers game how much he had to deal with. Yeah, they, they need
2: reinforcements. And uh, despite the fact that these guys have played great, I, I think they punched above their weight class in, in many of these games. Presses true as, as Stefan mentioned, playing fantastic, especially on the defensive end and grabbing rebounds and getting timely putbacks. Miles McBride shooting 45% from three. Since the trade. Um, So those guys are are coming in and filling in quite a good role, but you just don't know. There's so many question marks. How will Julius Randle respond? If and when he comes back, how will Mitchell Robinson respond if and when he comes back? What will, when will OG an- and Obi come back? Quentin Grimes, uh, so on and so forth. They need reinforcements. I think it starts with a, a playmaking guard. But then also I, w- I would go back into the front court, find an- either another wing, a four or even a five man. You just never know. Isaiah Hartenstein is also playing with the, the sore Achilles, what happens there? Does it flare up on him? So I think I would I would go with those three positions as priority by the trade deadline.
0: Yeah, the minutes totals now are high, as you guys are talking about, and it doesn't seem sustainable to me. So I think that's part of the equation. You don't want a million miles on Jalen Brunson's tires going into the postseason. And the same thing goes with Hartenstein and David Tenzo and, and up and down the roster so that's i think that's part of the reason you need reinforcements here as you guys are seeing but i also want to talk about the idea that we uh we do have like a a big star that steph you wrote about and and we want to get into stargazing a little bit before we continue with the here and now um we do that every episode because it's a reality the knicks are going to be in the market for a top star at some point whether it's this summer during next season, whatever it is. Steph, I'm starting with you, because you touched on LeBron, and you talked about how he might fit with the Knicks and how it might look, and, and you had a take. What was your take?
1: Well, it wasn't about getting LeBron. I, think, I put it at the very top of the story that it's not going to happen, especially not yeah. this season. Uh, but it was, it was in the context of, um he's coming back to that madison square garden for you know who knows might be the last time you never know he's 39 years old and he's actually in the knicks are actually in a better position to win a championship than the team that he's currently on the lakers and so i i basically said if LeBron should try to get out of his situation with the Lakers and the Knicks are a team that he should be looking at just because of the situation that the Knicks are in. And then he wore a towel at the end of the game and now everybody's freaking out.
0: Uh, just for the record, I, I think I saw Torian Prince with that towel on as well. Uh, maybe he's also putting pressure on the Lakers to force them to do something uh, at the deadline as LeBron reportedly was. But anyway, yeah. No, like, but, yeah. I, but
1: I will say this about that. Yeah. I, I do think, you know, talking to people who would know and certainly um Brian Windhorst knows LeBron better than anybody oh, yeah. s- saying that. This is this is basically his MO. This is his game plan. He tweets. He makes people feel uncomfortable. He does things like put other teams' towels over his shoulders um, to kind of force his own team, in this, situ- in this circumstance, the Lakers to upgrade because he has no use for the draft picks that the Lakers have. He has no use for these rebuilding pieces. He wants to win now, and that's understandable uh, considering where he is in his career. Right. Yeah, that
0: the the, uh, the playbook is well established for LeBron for sure. And I wonder if LA if LA makes a big push on Dejounte Murray and they end up acquiring Murray. I think the Knicks put, that puts the Knicks in better space to land Bruce Brown because LA would be right there for Bruce Brown. So what Los Angeles does, I think, is certainly relevant to Knicks fans and not a star, but Malcolm Brogdon. His name has been out there. I think Woj said on his podcast that he's unlikely to be moved. I hadn't heard um, at all about any serious talks between the Knicks and Portland on Brogdon. I know there were some reports linking them. Hadn't heard much there. Steph, did you hear anything? And and what do you think about the potential fit?
1: Um, You know, I think he would. I I haven't heard anything about Malcolm Brogdon. I don't understand. But I'm not buying this idea that's being thrown out there that the Detroit Pistons aren't going to move their guys because... Why, why, it doesn't make any sense why are you <laughs> going to keep alec burks what is the point of keeping out <laughs> what is the point of keeping boyan you are the worst team in the nba and that also applies to what the trailblazers are dealing with right now with malcolm brogdon it makes no sense um now i think event and i understand the pistons are the pistons troy weaver has not done a good job and maybe he's just incompetent but i think That they are going to these guys are going to get moved whether or not it's the knicks and and despite what you're hearing i think some of a lot of stuff you hear around the trade deadline is just posturing from teams they try to get a better negotiating going um and i think that's what's happening with both the blazers and um and the pistons right
0: and cp brogdon for you good fit bad fit
2: Good fit. Great fit. And and I don't see the point of, of Portland holding on to him. I mean, fifteen and five this year, another year short shooting forty percent from three. I think this is the type of experience, uh, besides that we need at the guard position, um, to to run that second unit. Now, if he's healthy, that that's always the key with Malcolm Brogdon. You can always expect for him to uh, to miss some time, but ideally if the Knicks can get him for the forty eight contract and, you know, a low level pick, I, I think it's a worthwhile gamble for the Knicks. Yeah,
0: it's, it's interesting. I don't know why I haven't heard strong stuff there between the Knicks and Portland. Maybe it's happening, but I, it hadn't, at least going into this month, there hadn't been anything. And so maybe they're waiting to see where the price is on Thursday, and then they jump in there. But also, I think you think the prisoner of Tom Thibodeau is Brogdon and Thibodeau guy. I don't know if he is or he isn't. If I'm going to guess, though, Tom Thibodeau probably would prefer an Alec Burks or a Bruce Brown ahead of a Malcolm Brogdon. And when we uh, when we talk about potential upgrades, we hit on the centers a little bit, but I want to hear from you guys on maybe names that we haven't discussed because other players are going to be out there. Uh, Andrew Wiggins is going to be out there. Maybe he gets moved. And I, I don't know if there's a fit there at all for the Knicks, but he is a guy who's under contract for multiple years. So he checks that box. And, you know, Zach Levine, obviously not getting traded now, but he will be available again at some point with Chicago. And you've got DeMar DeRozan. So DeRozan and then Levine. I mean, what do you think about potential fits and Wiggins? Of those three, CP, who would you go after?
2: Probably none of the above. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I mean, with Andrew Wiggins, I, I can't take on a guy who's got heart issues, man. Not physical, but Ooh. up here. Like, where where, where does he want it anymore? <laughs> I mean, this was a guy three years removed from potentially being a finals MVP with the way that he played defense on Jason Tatum. And now you don't even know if he wants to play the game anymore. So I would stay far away from there. Zach Levine walking injury and, and a bloated contract. I would stay away. And then with Rosen. I still think it's a, it's an interesting fit with both uh, Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle in that lineup. Uh, a free agent in his own right, you know, what would Chicago be looking for here they don't believe that they are even out of, of the running in the East? You hear Vucevic and these guys talking like they still have a chance. So it, it, Chicago's another team where it's not even clear their motivation to, to, to trade some of these guys because it seems like they want to play for the play-in and beyond.
0: Yeah, the risk, obviously, with DeRozan, he's a free agent. Um, I think that Miami will at least check in with Chicago on DeRozan, or has because I think that's a place where they could see themselves re-signing DeRozan. But that's a big part of the equation um, on Demar. But let's go. Had, with, by the way, I had heard Steph. about. I'd,
1: yeah. sorry, I'd heard rumblings no, about DeRozan and the Knicks, but I, um yesterday, but um a, a source turned it down. Said there's nothing going on there.
0: Yeah, it's similar to to, uh, Brogdon. I hadn't heard anything there, um, you know, of substance. Maybe things change, but it it would be a little strange on a player like that for them to shift gears at this point, the deadline. Um, CP, talked about the centers. Do you think what they have right now, uh, even like Mitchell Robinson, whether he comes back, doesn't come back, they have what what they have right now? Is that sustainable for you when you talk about a playoff run with this team?
2: If they can stay healthy, sure, because Hartenstein has done more than enough to to carry the load here for Mitchell Robertson on both ends of the floor. Like I said earlier, the key thing is how's his left Achilles and, and will he make it to that stretch run? Preston Sachua has proven that once he's settled in with this team, he can be a valuable backup commodity there. And then I thought uh, Jericho Sims has been playing well in in his spot. So I, I think they're fine there for now. Now, if, if Hartenstein is to get hurt or is he going to walk in the offseason – Do they look to go get some insurance uh, by the trade deadline? Is there a piece that they can get uh, according to their price? We'll we'll just have to wait and see. But for right now, with Hartenstein and those guys, I think they should be okay.
0: We do have a game tonight, Steph Bondy. We've been talking about the future, but let's talk about tonight. What, What do you think in terms of Memphis? They're banged up. It's brutal, but then you look ahead and the Knicks have Dallas coming here, Indiana coming back, which is going to be interesting. They go to Houston. They go to Orlando, but that Indiana game to me is going to be fascinating given how things played out the last time the Pacers were at the Garden. What do you think they could do in this stretch here, Steph? Do you think, like, they should roll over people even with the injuries, or do you think the injuries catch up to them? Not tonight necessarily, but looking
1: ahead. I'm not. I don't think they're going to roll over people. Um Maybe I'm underestimating them. They're going to roll over Memphis. Have you seen their injury report? Yeah, that's crazy. Um, (laughs) It is brutal. Uh, They're having a rough season, man. Um, Yes. You know, I I love watching. I love when Dallas comes to town. I don't know why. Luka is exciting. And Kyrie Irving, I think he's coming back to – I think he's coming back. So um, that's going to be a hell of a game. And then, they, you know, going on the road isn't easy. I mean, you mentioned the Pacers first at home. But Houston isn't the walkover that they used to be. Right. Um so no I don't think they're just going to be walking over all these opponents especially if you know OG's not available.
2: Yeah.
0: And CP standout player for tonight, who do you got?
2: Ryan wow. <laughs> His stats has been yeah, scoreless in, in, in some odd games. I mean, it could be that type of night tonight because with, with Memphis, I mean, there's no Bane. You have Triple J who's doubtful in this game. Derrick Rose is questionable. I don't know, Steph, if, if you spoke to him, if, if he plans to play tonight. But, um, you know, it, it could be one of those runaway games where Ryan Archidiacono gets in and uh, puts some points on the board. And that was, that, by the way, they're
1: having fun with that. That was funny online. <laughs> they're, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. They're having a good time uh, with the podcast there. But that is going to do it for us, fellas. Be sure to keep it locked in on SNY because we got Honda Sports Night tonight, 11 p.m. Steph Bondi, we thank you for joining us. CP, the franchise, we thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, guys. And on the putback side, we're going to be back tomorrow, 3 p.m hitting on the trade deadline, hitting on everything else going on with the Knicks and the NBA, so be sure to check us out then.